May I speak in the name of the Holy and Blessed Trinity, one God in three persons. Amen. Today's sermon marks the end of a series of sermons exploring fantastic feats from the Thames barrier through the sewer system to the fourth bridge. Today, we will be reflecting on a fantastic feat of an entirely different kind, the building of a village. Not just any old village, you understand, but the village of Bourneville, which is now a suburb in the city of Birmingham. Though when it was first built, it was in the middle of the countryside. I have a particular love of Bourneville, since it's where I live with my family when I'm not in London, and where I have lived for the past 17 years. If you have heard of Bourneville at all, then it is quite probable that when you hear the name, chocolate comes to mind. And if it did, you would be right. Bourneville is where the Cadbury factory stands, producing some, though certainly not all, of the 350 million bars of Cadbury dairy milk that are sold every year. But the fantastic feat that I want to tell you about today is not, I'm afraid, chocolate-related, but is instead about the building of a community. Bourneville Village was built by two brothers, Richard and George Cadbury. But to begin our story properly, we need to go back to their father, John Cadbury who in 1824 opened a shop in the centre of Birmingham to sell tea, coffee and drinking chocolate. The Cadburys were Quakers and like other prominent Quaker families of the time, struggled to find a place in society because as non-conformists, they were shut out of many walks of life. Their best option was going into business. And fascinatingly, the history of British businesses is littered with the names of prominent Quaker families. Lloyds, Barclays, Fry's, Roundtree's, and of course, Cadbury's. John and his brother Benjamin Cadbury discovered that it would be better to manufacture their own cocoa, so opened a factory in the centre of what was then the grimy, sooty, industrial dark heart of Birmingham. And in 1849, they made a great development. You might call it the holy grail of chocolate in the 19th century. They discovered how to make solid chocolate not just drinking chocolate. This was two years later than their great rivals, the Fries. Many years later, many of us are delighted that they discovered such an important thing. Richard and George Cadbury 
took over their father's business in 1861, and they developed many different forms of chocolates, the most important being boxes of chocolates with different fillings. And those of you who are of a certain age, such as I am, will have fond memories of those boxes of chocolates, like milk tray. Unsurprisingly to us today, these became so popular that soon they needed a new factory. And they took the unprecedented decision of moving out to the middle of the countryside, where milk would be more plentiful and conditions for the workers much improved. Richard and George had a vision, a vision inspired by their Christian faith, a vision which grew solidly out of their Quaker roots. It was a vision that at the time many thought was crazy. They wanted to build a factory in a garden and with it a community for their workers, away from the soot and grime of the city, a place where their workers could thrive and flourish. Richard, George, and George's wife Elizabeth began the work to build a planned village in 1893, entirely at their own expense. Sadly, Richard died of tuberculosis only six years into the project, leaving George and Elizabeth to complete the work alone. Crucially, they decided against the popular housing design of the day, which was cheap to build, but lacked light and adequate sanitation. Instead, they chose to build airy houses, and strikingly, in many, many different designs. These houses had lots of light, and each house was built with a long, thin garden. The top third was for flowers, so that people could sit and relax. The second third was for vegetables, so they could grow their own crops. And the bottom third was planted with three fruit trees, something that was inspired in their minds by the vision of the Old Testament prophet Micah that saw in God's glorious future people would sit and take their ease under their own fruit trees. Probably most importantly of all, some of the houses were private and could be bought, but others of the houses were social housing and were rented. The private and the social housing was completely and entirely mixed together, so there were no pockets of one or the other. This remains the case today, and it is still hard to tell which houses in Bourneville are private and which are social housing. Also importantly, they built houses of different sizes on the same road, from large family houses to small bungalows, so that people could move house as their needs changed, but not lose their community. Alongside this, the Cadburys built parks through the whole village, so it is still possible to walk from one side to another in green spaces. They built recreation grounds and swimming baths so people could relax. 
They also built a day continuation college and wrote into every worker's contract at the factory that they had to take half a day a week to study. They didn't care what it was, they just had to study something. One of my favorite things that they did was that they built a large house called The Beaches, which is now a conference center, so that children who still lived in tenements in the center of Birmingham could come to the countryside for a holiday. They fed them well, gave them milk to drink from the many dairy cows that produce milk for that chocolate bar, and then sent them out to play. The idea was to give them respite from the still grim, unhealthy conditions of the centre of Birmingham. In the face of a society that said workers were lesser human beings and largely disposable, the Cadburys created a fantastic vision, which cared not only for their workers, but also for those who still lived in the industrial heart of Birmingham. It was, if we're honest, a vision that was far from perfect. The project was shot through with Victorian paternalism, which terminated women's contracts the moment they got married and sacked anyone who mowed the lawn on a Sunday. But it was visionary, and it did make a difference. In 1900, George, whose long-sighted vision seems to be unerring, placed the village of Bourneville into an independent trust, which means that the village remains unaffected by the changes in management and ownership of the factory. The values of the trust remain, even though the factory is now owned by a large multinational company. And the trust continues to build housing estates across the West Midlands, the most recent in Telford, these housing estates adhere to the principles of high quality environment, a coherent and imaginative plan, and the involvement of the community in the running of the estate. Around 15 years ago, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, which today is an independent social change organization working to solve UK poverty, brought out a study called Neighborhoods That Work. Their argument, was that too many studies look at neighbourhoods that don't work and try to work out why they don't work. The Joseph Roundtree Foundation suggested instead it would be better to look at communities that do work, that have successful social integration and a strong sense of community. The examples they used were six communities run by the Bourneville Village Trust, communities that still today work. The Cadbury's vision was fantastic. At the time, no doubt it sounded incredible and almost impossible, but with determination, imagination, and considerable financial investment, it really has made a difference, and a difference that, over 100 years later, can still be felt. On those difficult days, when it feels as though everything I do turns to dust, when there's no point in trying anything because it won't work anyway, when I have no idea what I wanted to do in the first place because everything feels hopeless. On those days, I go for a walk through Bourneville's parks 
and remind myself that one person's fantastic vision can make a difference in our world. It takes time, it takes perseverance, it takes a good helping of holy obstinacy, but fantastic visions can be brought to life. The Cadburys did it, and so can we. Fantastic feats will always be achieved by highly skilled engineers, by architects and scientists, but they can also be achieved by ordinary people with fantastic vision. We should dream big, big, holy, godly, kingdom dreams can change the world. As we end our series of fantastic feats, may we all be inspired by fantastic visions that change our world for the better, and not only inspired by them, but determined to live them out in our lives, in our societies, and in our world. May each of us become doers of fantastic feats, feats that change the world. Amen.